This is the Magellan Journal, a podcast series here to help you navigate EU opportunities. We remove the noise around current EU issues on different topics such as transport and environment, each time through the perspective of a different expert. In this episode, we talk to Jab Hebrad, Director of Research and Development Affairs at Sea Europe and Executive Director of the Waterborne Technology Platform about the importance of the waterborne transport and why is it on the agenda of the European Commission. Hello, Yap, and thank you for joining us in this podcast. Can you, before the questions, tell us a bit about yourself, the role of the Waterborne Platform and the current initiative that supports waterborne transport? Yes, Andrea, many thanks, first of all, for inviting me for the podcast. Uh, Jaap Gebraat. I have a bit of a double hat. So on the one hand, I'm working for Sea Europe. We are representing the shipyards and maritime equipment manufacturers towards the EU, but also on an international level, for example, the IMO. But I'm also working for the Waterborne Technology Platform, where I started in August 2018, taking care of the Secretariat, and where I became the Executive Director on the 1st of January 2019, when the Association of Waterborne was established. Waterborne is one of the officially recognized technology platforms, so officially recognized by the European Commission and provides advice regarding research, development, and innovation related to all waterborne issues. What are all waterborne issues? Waterborne is dealing with, on the one hand, ships and shipping. So everything which has got to do with maritime transport and inland waterway transport, but also with ports and logistics, and more specifically, the integration of maritime transport in the entire logistics chain with a specific emphasis on the role of inland waterway transport in the logistics chain, as well as on the entire envelope or portfolio of growth activity. In addition, and that started last year, the Waterborne Technology Platform is also preparing the candidate programmed partnership zero emission waterborne transport in the framework of Horizon Europe, which will normally start on the 1st of January 2021. And this idea for this partnership, where does it come from and how is it different from many other public-private partnerships? The Waterborne Technology Platform has been revived in 2017. And in 2018, we started with drafting a strategic research agenda. And this strategic research agenda was not focusing on technical issues, but on a vision and mission for 2030, both for, for all the three areas, ships and shipping, ports and logistics, blue growth. When we were developing the strategic research agenda, so with an outlook of of where would we as a sector like to go, the International Maritime Organization came with the first strategy on cutting greenhouse gas emissions from shipping. However, the European waterborne transport sector decided to have a stronger vision, being uh, zero emission by 2050. And that in two steps, being able to build short-sea ships and inland navigation vessels emission-free by 2030 and all other ship types by 2050. When designing the partnership by the, what was it, by the end of 2019, the European Green Deal was launched. And the European Green Deal entailed entails 90% reduction of emissions from transport by latest 2050. Then we said, okay, The partnership will focus on zero emission waterborne transport by latest 2050. But to be able to do so, you have to have the solutions in place 
before 2030. And that is where the partnership came from. I think when I uh, read around what other partnerships have been preparing, that we were ones of the first ones that were fully focused on offering solutions which would contribute to societal requests. I mean, it's quite clear that a lot of people have been protesting in the streets when it comes to the effects of climate change. So that was where it differs from, from other partnerships. And in addition, I think we were one of the first ones who were fully in line with the objectives of the European Green Deal. But as we call it, we deliver solutions to the benefit of future generations. I think that is the most important difference from other types of partnerships. It really has the drive to deliver solutions for societal problems. So as you said, the goal is zero emission waterborne transport, and this dream, let's say, may seem too good to be true. What are the most important steps to achieve this goal, and how relevant could the role of the partnership proposal be in such context? It's not a one single measure. A lot has to be put in place. But let me see from this patchwork of measures if we can take up, for example, first, there is still a lack of a market demand for green products. Who in the end is responsible for green waterborne or for zero emission waterborne transport? Is it the ship owner needing to invest in a vessel? Is it the shipper, the one owning the goods and making the contract with the ship owner or the, or the charterer who only contract zero emission vessels? Is it the customer? Will you go to a clothing shop or to a shoe shop and only buy shoes which have been transported by zero emission waterborne transport? I think there is still a change needed. Although we see the first changes coming up, there is a change needed. Because in the end, whatever we will do, it will make transport more expensive than it currently is. The second one is there needs to be worldwide, because ships are sailing worldwide, sufficient infrastructure and alternative fuels available. If a ship owner orders a vessel sailing on type of fuel, it needs to be clear that that fuel is available in all ports the ship is calling. The third one is the need for regulations, timely developed, but also international long-term governance. If you will invest in a ship now on a certain type of fuel, you need to be sure that that ship can be in use for a period of 10, 20 or 30 years. I think that are the important ones. When it comes to research and innovation, and that is clearly echoed by all waterborne transport stakeholders, the change is so fundamental compared to the current business that the only solution or that at least research development and innovation will be needed to develop all the solutions needed. Because as we might discuss a bit later, there is no single waterborne transport sector. It's so diversified that you will also need different solutions to be able to achieve the objective. And you do talk very passionately about the waterborne transport. And why do you think this sector is so strategically important? And can you summarize and tell us three main benefits what this partnership will bring? Well, I can come with all kinds of statistics. But I think in the past period, specifically when the major part of Europe and, and other parts of the world were in lockdown, all your products were still there. Because... Maritime transport and inland navigation, okay, they were hampered, but continued with transporting goods. By hat, I believe that 80% what is coming into Europe, or even a bit more, comes via waterborne transport. 
if you would imagine half a year without ships sailing, there is a lot which you will not be able to buy anymore. If you look in your own room, please consider that 90% of what is there comes by vessel. When it comes to the three things uh, the partnership could bring or will bring, I think first and foremost, what we already discussed is solutions for societal challenges. When you look at an economic perspective, but there is also a social perspective, it will offer Europe the possibility to uh, remain a front runner in greening solutions for waterborne transport. It will thereby also increase or enhance the competitiveness of the European waterborne transport sector, and it will give Europe a leading role in transforming that sector to a zero emission mode of transport. Thereby, it will also be a catalyst for high quality jobs in the water. I think a third one, when we look at all the advantages we can think of, it will not only look at uh, zero emission in terms of greenhouse gas emissions, but it, it also looks at solutions to eliminate pollution to water and to eliminate other pollutants to the air. And thereby you have a transport mode which will be one of the firsts without any negative effects on the environment and thereby on human health. And even though this sector is highly fragmented, uh, the, the waterborne sector seems to be quite united in tackling issues related to climate change, air pollution and oceans degradation. Do you believe that such a strong political push from the EU and international institutions such as, as you mentioned, the Green Deal, COP21, IMO strategy, is it sufficient to make the industries and individual people put effort in working together for a positive change? Or is there a need for stimulating incentives? I think also that it's a combination of things that got the ball running. Yeah, there have been strategies, policies, to some extent regulations, which have stimulated the transition to a more environmentally friendly mode of transport. But in the meantime, also individual companies are having visions which even go beyond there are ship owners, for example, who say from 2030 onwards, we only buy zero emission waterborne vessels, which is far before the, the targets of the European Green Deal or even the IMO strategy. But at least it is one of the things that gets the ball running. As you clearly pointed out, there is a, a huge need for research development and innovation activities, which hopefully will be co-financed by the European Union by means of the Horizon Europe framework. However, we also need to support in one way or the other the rollout of all these new technologies. On the one hand, by regulatory assurance. On the other hand, by uh, stimulating measures to cross the valley of death in terms of the business case. Often a product is technically ready, but still that expensive that will be very hard to implement it in the sector and stimulating the front runners, thereby creating more business cases and, and reducing the operational expenses will really be key in implementing the solutions developed within the framework of the partnership. And that again, that can be a patchwork of tools, of funding instruments, but also financial instruments, and maybe also to increase market demand for green transport. And in your opinion, what are the other initiatives the Coke Program Partnership should team up with to achieve the zero emission waterborne transport, for example? I think there are multiple. First of all, fuel supply. 
Uh, let me take two of the candidate partnerships out of the total envelope of 48 or 49. It is clear that we have to ensure synergies and cooperations with the partnership working on batteries, which can certainly be a solution for some of the segments of waterborne transport, but also with the one on hydrogen. Then there is the positive effect digitalization can have on energy efficiency. Partially that will be done in the framework of the partnership, but partially we will also see at synergies with other initiatives. But also broader than Horizon Europe, there should in one way or the other become a momentum to discuss with the uh, shippers how to stimulate a green demand for transport. And in addition, it should be an entire green supply chain, not only waterborne transport, but also the, the transport which happens before the cargo enters a vessel and after it leaves the vessel or a passenger gets on a vessel and leaves the vessel. And in the end, there should also be, although we all need our unique solutions, we should also look at enhanced cooperation with other transport modes, which is partly linked to getting the supply chain together. And before you mentioned some targets and, and deadlines like uh, 2030, in, how does the PPP intend to demonstrate zero emission solutions for all main ship types and services before 2030? I think that's one of the unique concepts of a partnership is that upfront you agree with the broader sector on the targets and how to get there. And demonstrations are key in a research development and innovation initiative to first of all test if a solution is fit for purpose uh, but also to show case that the solution developed uh, although it then still needs some development has a huge potential to be introduced in the market and from there on you will also work together with for example regulators on the legislation needed to be able to implement such solutions in the uh, in the waterborne transport sector. So I think that the unique collaboration with all key stakeholders of the waterborne transport sector will uh, provide the tools needed to be able to demonstrate before 2030. Okay, and now something related to the current uh, crisis. So the current pandemic has taught us that digitalization is the way forward for many sectors. Uh, in the broader context of the waterborne transport, how do you see this digitalization evolving? I think there are two concepts of digitalization. We on the one hand have the digitalization which will enhance the integration of waterborne transport in the entire supply chain using big data, enhanced communication, etc., which in the end might also lead to an increased energy efficiency. For example, on um, when should a vessel exactly be in port and could it slow down sailing to be still uh, be able to uh, reach that slot time. On the other hand, there are a lot of developments regarding automation, automation in all its, its elements, which has a positive effect on safety, but also a positive effect on the environment, and which will lead to new job requirements as well. And what I see in the area of, as we call automation, which is that second part of digitalization, Europe plays a front-running role. The first autonomous vessel is currently being built somewhere in Scandinavia. And that is the third side effect of digitalization. It has the potential to, again, increase the competitiveness of the European waterborne transport and the European maritime technology sector. 
And again, it could be a job creating initiative or a job creating development. Okay, well, those were all the questions and thank you very much for answering them. And thank you again for participating in our podcast and I wish you a nice day. Thank you very much. If you like this podcast and want to know more about Magellan, check out our website at www.magellan-association.org.